Hello and welcome to Ringer FC. We are dancing all over Russia. We just got out of this 3-3 <laughs> game. Portugal-Spain, the tournament is officially started. Ryan O'Hanlon. What's up? Micah Peters. What's going down? I have my shorts hiked up and my eyebrows look immaculate. My name is Chris <laughs> Ryan. Uh, what a great, great full opening day for a tournament. If, if the rest of the days match this, I'll be a happy customer. The, the World Cup started today. Yeah, it Fuck probably started yesterday. officially when like Nacho spanked that that the half volley from like twenty yard twenty yards out. That was great. We're that gonna was... get into all the great goals from uh, Spain and Portugal, and then we'll also talk a little bit about what to watch for this weekend. Weekend, uh, just to go over the results really quickly. Obviously, the early doors game was Uruguay versus Egypt. Uh, Egypt. Egypt. Uh, no Mo Salah in that game, and it showed uh, Uruguay won one zero, and then uh, Iran. Beating Morocco one nothing in stoppage time, heartbreaker for Morocco. Uh, so we'll talk a little bit about what that means for them. But first, let's talk about this this Portugal Spain game, which was a instant classic. I thought <sighs> had everything. It had everything a soccer match can possibly have. Every time that I was about, <laughs> like I, I was saying, like the the only thing this game is missing is this. It like would happen. Like this, the only thing the only thing this game is missing is Ricardo Quaresma. You get subbed in, almost <laughs> like you know hits an outside of the boot shot from. <laughs> like forever away. <laughs> this game had like multiple people becoming goats and goats in the in the negative connotation yes. and then redeeming themselves. Nacho gives up a penalty in the first five minutes to Ronaldo. Then Nacho scores what I thought would be the goal of the World Cup um, with this sort of volley from 25 yards out that didn't go higher than two feet off the ground. I mean, it was a lot like Giovanni Van Bronckhorst in 2010. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and Spain going down early twice to Portugal looked like Fernando Hierro was in over his head. Then, yeah. then Spain takes the lead 3-2. It's, oh my God, Fernando Hierro is God. Yeah. And then uh, Cristiano Ronaldo was convicted of t convicted of tax evasion today <laughs> and then scored a hat trick. <laughs> I just want, in case everybody knows, this is the messiest game, lead, like lead up to a game I've seen in a long time. Let's just quickly recap. I know people probably know this by, by now. Earlier in the week, Spain fires their manager because he took the job at Real Madrid and didn't properly inform them and only told them like five Five minutes before he accepted the job. Mm -hmm. This obviously caused rumors of unrest within the Spain locker room because Spain is basically a Barcelona-Real Madrid super team. If you even just look at the team, it's just mostly those guys. Mm -hmm. uh, so Spain had that going on. Sergio Ramos tried to make light of it, but not a lot of people were believing him. And when they started this game, they did not look like a team that really wanted to be playing. On the other side, Portugal has, I think... Uh, upwards of nine different Sporting Lisbon players dissolved their contracts this yep. week because yeah. the Sporting Lisbon man, uh, president is apparently the Donald Trump of Portuguese football <laughs> and was just getting these <laughs> tweets off at them. So those guys are having their issues with Sporting Lisbon. And in the meantime, Cristiano Ronaldo agreed to pay Spain, I think something like 16 million euros in taxes to avoid jail. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then he paid them some more. He took a hat trick. He was like, have three more euros for Guys, that. Never convict Cristiano Ronaldo of tax evasion. Uh, Ryan, we've talked so much over the year about um, XG or about really about getting good shots in soccer matches and about playing a style of football that allows you to get the most quality shots possible. But <laughs> counterpoint, <laughs> you can also have Ronaldo. Um, that's, that's the other thing we've been talking about all year is that... Uh, all these strategies of, you know, keeping more possession, completing more passes in the opponent's attacking third, getting more shots, getting better shots, none of it 
means shit when Cristiano Ronaldo is on the field. Just, you know, like whips out an RPG and just lays waste to all of your best laid plans. It's and, just, but um, it's even like, like the one, this game, Ronaldo touched the ball probably more in his defensive half than he has in 15 years, mm-hmm. it seems like. <laughs> and two, like he scores this insane free kick, um, which was his first goal, free kick goal in a competitive international tournament for Portugal. Wow. Uh, how, many he miss? It, how many did he miss? How many miss? 44 prior to this one. Um, Short shot. times a exactly. charm. <laughs> but then, you miss then, all the free kicks you don't take. <laughs> and then he draws a PK, um, which again, him taking people on is a thing that we haven't really seen in his game in a while, which, you know, 15 years, 10 years ago, that would have been a crazy thing to say. And then the third is, speaking of XG, the god of XG, the guy who saves, you know, 15 shots above average mm-hmm. for Manchester United um, this year. Sort of the consensus best keeper in the world just makes the first mistake I've Bonin, ever seen like him make. Robert Green-esque. Yeah. Yeah. Robert Green 2010-esque. <laughs> it didn't go through his legs, but he shanked it off to the side. I mean, this this I like games that have mistakes because they feel so alive. Yeah, I mean, like, and we, I know that we made jokes about his, it being because of his, his man bun, but. But it wasn't a joke. It wasn't a joke. It actually <laughs> was the truth. He's, it's really got to go. <laughs> Do you guys agree that part of what made this game so good is that these are two very good teams, but they're, they're just clearly pretty flawed teams also? Like, the sloppiness allowed it to get. There were the times, yeah, like, where I felt like. I had un- greatly underestimated Spain's chances. I mean, I know that they had, they were really hot in qualifying and they were coming in and then the, the, the Lobotegi firing made it seem like they were just in complete disarray. But when you look at that team, I know they have some older players. I know that Iniesta and Busquets are not the most dynamic midfield in the whole world. But I mean, it's obvious quality. Yeah, it's, and like Costa dogged out four different defenders. Well, that, I mean, like on he a, definitely, on his, on his second goal, he raked across Pepe with his elbow, but like, You're I mean, allowed to yeah, I mean, like it's the Pepe deserved it. Shiver Pepe yeah. in the face. Um, but I mean, like, yeah, and then just walked it into the, just, just slapped it into the low, the low post or whatever. That, I mean, like it was honestly... Yeah, I mean, it was a defensive breakdown. What do you think? Well, the the thing, Spain has presumably the best keeper, despite what he did in this game, the best defense where they have two Madrid, two Barcelona players. PK, Alba. They just do have the best midfield. They brought Thiago off the bench, who's maybe the best center midfielder in the world. So the one question mark coming into the tournament was like, should they have brought Alvaro Morata, who's sort of the head of the spear? And then Diego Costa just scored two, like... The first goal is just a long ball from Busquets and he bullies seven defenders and scores. And then the second one's a a set piece play. Those are two very un-Spain-like goals. So like, there's, if you just look at those things, there's almost a reason to look at it being like, oh my God, Spain is actually better than we thought. Yeah. But then you see what happened on the other end. I, I think, I think the goals they gave up were, you know, there's a penalty, which maybe they don't do that again. There's a De Gea mistake and then there's the Ronaldo free kick. Those aren't like systemic Issues, you know what I mean? Those no, are they didn't happen. But they, but the they run are things that happen like, when you are playing in tournament yes. football against someone who's incredibly. And yeah. Yeah. they did. I thought they did leave a ton of space, yes. like on the counterattack. They, they never were made to pay for it, really. But that is kind of the the big issue, I think. Well, yeah, I mean, like they were kind of broken by. Well, the first part, the in in the first half, a flick from Cristiano Ronaldo to Guedes, yeah. and then it, oh, what happened to was Guedes. that, like yeah, also, man. also then Ronaldo was beat down the pitch by Gerard Piquet. I'd never seen that before. <laughs> yeah, 
Um, I, let's talk briefly about Portugal supporting cast because mm-hmm. I think that that was the thing that we were concerned about coming into the tournament. We've been looking <laughs> as for... We still as we yeah, still and should we still be. should be. We have been looking for... Uh, a sidekick for Ronaldo in international football for a long time, despite the fact that uh, Portugal won the Euros nominally without Ronaldo in the final. Uh, I still think that they are desperately in need of a, a second a second scoring option and yeah. a playmaker. We're hoping that's Bernardo Silva, but Goncalo uh, Guedes had opportunities Two and you clear could ones. see that you could see this is the difference between elite talent and pretty good talent. Was just that extra touch he needed in front of goal? Yep. Yeah, it's the the extra touch. You know, if you have, you hate to ascribe confidence to it, but that's what it is, really, yeah. right? Yeah. Like you, you feel more comfortable. You take those shots uh, first time. Yeah, right? as soon as you see daylight. I mean, but if you take that one, that one extra touch to set yourself a little bit more, then you give Sergio Ramos time to just kind of like put it, put you in his pocket. Yeah. So it's kind of like. You know, is it so Ronaldo's supporting cast didn't really do anything and they still tied Spain? Is that a good thing? Or is the other way to look at it like Ronaldo is not going to be able to do this every game um, and we should be worried about the supporting cast? I mean, he did seem sort of gassed there towards the getting towards the end. Yeah. So I think that probably I would lean the other way as far as like Ronaldo can't keep doing this. Well, either way, probably one of the best opening uh, opening matches I've seen for you know first round matches I've I've ever seen in a World Cup. Spain I, is just giving us heaters with their their opening games. Yeah, World Spain Cups. is yeah. really dominating the narrative. <laughs> um, I think both of these teams are going to go through. Let's talk about some of the other games we saw. The early morning uh, for us match was Uruguay versus Egypt. Uh, we had got we had been told. Actor uh, Cooper said that that uh, Mo Salah was going to play. He didn't. He saw something. He didn't like in uh, a warm-up. Uh, maybe it was like a, a physical thing with with Salah's shoulder. He had obviously dislocated his shoulder in the Champions League final. <coughs> Sergio Ramos. <laughs> um, <laughs> Egypt is still in it, even without him. In fact, I think that you could make the argument that this was a really crucial, mis- not a mistake, but this was a game that was crying out for Salah because there was space behind the Uruguay backline. That's an old defense. Yeah. And there yeah. was space behind it. They looked a little ragged. Yeah, it's it's tough because then they give up a goal in the la- the waning moments of the yeah. game. If they get that draw zero zero and they get a they get to rest Salah for ninety minutes, you kind of come off of that game looking at sitting it as maybe pretty. a pretty good situation yes. for Egypt. But I, it's just when you're sitting back as deep as Egypt was in that game, you're almost it's just you're you're asking to give up at least one goal. Yeah. I think. Yeah, I mean, like in the fashion that they did, it was just like a, a looped in ball and Jose. Uh, Jimenez, yeah. Jimenez, like, just rises and meets it. And yeah. 1-0 right there at the death. It's And and on top of that, Uruguay wins their first World Cup opening game since 1970. Yeah, that's, it's a strange wild. thing with Uruguay because, like, I think we've all been sort of tipping them to be in the mix in the, over the last few tournaments because of Suarez and Cavani. Mm-hmm. And um, they play this conservative defensive style of football and they were met with a team that was sitting very deep. I wasn't blown away by Suarez and Cavani today. I don't know how you guys felt about it. You could tell they're just getting a little older. Uh, I This is one of those games where it's like Suarez gets four shots, Cavani gets six, and neither of them score, you know? And, yeah, yeah. and I feel like if that keeps happening, the, the goals are going to come. I, I think on a different day, this game ends in a much more lopsided fashion for Uruguay, but instead we're kind of like, oh, Suarez might be washed. Mm. 
Uh, let's talk a little bit about Iran and Morocco before we get going Group into the leaders. weekend. Group <laughs> leaders. <laughs> uh, for Morocco, and this is the thing you have to keep in mind as you watch these, especially these first of the first round matches, you have to beat the teams that, that you're you supposed, are supposed to beat. To beat. Uh, Morocco yeah. is essentially out of the tournament now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was really like Morocco was had Iran pinned back in the truest sense of that term yeah. for the entire game and then lose on an own goal in the last couple of seconds. I mean, it's... We can't emphasize this enough. Iran didn't take a shot in the second half and they scored a goal in injury time and won still. Yeah. Despite yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> like the... There's a way to look at this game. The first half was actually a pretty entertaining first half. And I remember trying to convince all of you guys, like, hey, this is this is good soccer. Yeah, yeah. Which like I, I was asleep. Yeah, but yeah sure. Um, <laughs> you know, each team had nine shots. Uh Morocco had a lot of possession, but it was fun because Iran was breaking on the counter basically every time they won the ball. And that's kind of that's what you hope for in a sort of st- styles makes fights matchup where it's still even. Um, and then there were like three shots total in the second half. Iran, I think Iran, it went ideally to Iran's playbook, sort mm-hmm. of suffocate the other team and frustrate nick a goal. Into, yeah. I think Iran would have liked the first half to go how the second half went too. Um, I mean, 538 has Morocco at 8% now to make the round of 16. So I think we're, it's pretty safe to say that they're... And this is also some, something where it's worth noting uh, Russia piling up those goals yesterday is I mean, actually a huge deal in terms of if there's a if there's a tie in this group. Well, yeah, definitely. I mean, like coming into the tournament being ranked as low as they were, it was kind of like it almost felt as though this was Saudi Arabia's game to lose. I mean, like they're ranked 67th. Yeah. Russia's ranked 70th, and then I mean to come out of the gate and get five goals and give up none is I mean like a good way to I mean like they're almost as good as in the round of 16 already. It it's and then Three games after that, and I still kind of feel like Russia's worse than all of the teams that have played. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, any other notes from today's games that you guys want to hit before we move on to the weekend's action? Uh, I think we just need to shout out Nacho. That was an incredible, uh, just an incredible finish. Like, like you, you it's never just see so beautiful, like, that. like the geometry of the way he hit the ball, and especially after he was about to be the goat. It wasn't even supposed to be starting this game. He's the backup to Danny Carvajal. Gives up a penalty and then comes back. Kind of unspain too, unspain like to to have a goal like that. Uh, I thought you know Spain at one point in that second half, once they had that three two lead, were trying to Spain Portugal to death, yeah. and they were trying to just possess and possess and move the cycle the ball around. And you could see it was actually it was working. You know, I could I yeah. could tell the Portugal was getting a little bit gas. They brought on uh, Silva to try and make mix things up. They brought on Karashma, but ultimately, I think that. When you have Ronaldo, you still have a chance if you're within that goal. Yeah. I, I think my ultimate takeaway from that game would be if I was projecting the teams forward, I actually weirdly feel pretty good about Spain. Okay. Um, which I think we kind of needed to see what they were going to do without their manager. And I think, one, they're not going to play Ronaldo every game. Two, De Gea is not going to make a mistake like that every game. Three, their defenders probably won't foul people in the box every game. So, you know, it's... You can kind of isolate all three of those goals, I think, um, from a Spain perspective, sort of projecting them forward. 
Do you I, feel like for Spain, they're going to walk out of there and feel like we blew it? Or do you think they're going to feel good about themselves with a 3-3 and getting a point from that game? No, I mean, I think that all, all that you need to good. know is <laughs> that reaction shot of Diego Costa on the bench, like after full time when Ronaldo was just like, yes, yes, I did it. And like Costa's just like, man, it was right there. Because that's the heartbreaking part when they get, when guys get subbed out, especially a guy who's contributed so much to what should have been a victory. And yeah. you can see on their face, like if you just left me out there for 10 more minutes, I could have fixed this, you yeah. know, like, yeah. I always love that. All right, let's talk about the weekend's action. It starts early tomorrow morning with uh, the team that we've all been dying to see. Which France is going to show up? And I don't mean that in the sense of the French the French team that didn't get to make the team and could probably still qualify for the knockout stages. No. But are we going to see the France that is world beaters or are we going to see a France that tears themselves apart? How excited are you for France-Australia? I mean, I'm not exactly dying to see Australia play, but yes. I mean, like, for France... <laughs> Tim, <I'm>, Cahill. <laughs> Tim Cahill. Tim um, Cahill, who's just going to be at every World Cup until, you know, like, he dies, probably. Uh, I don't know. I mean, like, I'm I'm very interested to see whether or not this this France team is going to beat itself. That, that That's, I think, that that is the, you know, we've all agreed that that's the prevailing storyline with this team. Because, I think you I mean, don't like, have to worry about that, because anytime you have your striker do a 45-minute infomercial about <laughs> where he's going to play next season... Uh, all and, that, and he's staying at Atletico Madrid. it's all because he's staying. Uh, Antoine Griezmann did a, basically, a, the decision mm-hmm. uh, uh, for, for, for the internet, I guess. I don't even know what, what network carried this. And he... Built it up and built it up and built it up, and everybody thought he was going to Barcelona, and he winds up staying at Atletico Madrid. Um, he'll be joined by his French national teammate Thomas Lamar, who signed with Atletico Madrid this this week. So it seems like Madrid is tooling up a little bit for a yeah. La Liga mm-hmm. title run. Yeah. But let's get back to France. Uh, how are you feeling about them going into to this first game with I, Australia? I think that we're possibly overplaying the sort of intra-team dynamics here and not looking at the manager. Um, I think. We've talked about this a little bit. Coming into the World Cup, uh, France crosses the ball a ton, um, despite having these incredible counterattacking players that are also good in really tight spaces. Um, and yet, the sort of leaked lineup, it hasn't been confirmed, but it looks like Giroud won't start, and it's going to be Mbappe, Dembele, Griezmann up top, which is good. what I would ask for. <laughs> and then it looks like Quarantin, Tolisso, and not, uh, Blaise Matuidi is going to start next to Pogba and Conte and Tolisso is this super exciting young like goal scoring incredible progressive passer um, so if that's the lineup they play I could see Spain putting or France putting up you know four or five goals I really hope that this team that this version of France doesn't screw up and Deschamps like I I let you have one, and now I'm going to play five defensive midfielders and bore the hell out of everybody. Yeah, they're going to play well and then just not finish any of their chances, and he's going to completely overreact. And Giroud's we gonna... are definitely going to see too much Giroud in this tournament. I, I can feel it already in my knee. Micah, Messi plays uh, Iceland tomorrow. Uh, I, I find Iceland to be adorable, but I want Messi to have a long and fruitful World Cup run. So I mean, I'm like, how, what do you think the score is going to be of Iceland? Well, I'm worried that it's going to be nil nil. Mm. I'm worried that we're like Iceland's going to nullify them. Them, that, that Argentina is just going to be too scared to leave their defenders and so that there's going to be a little bit of compression uh, on Argentina's side that they don't really know what they're doing yet with the Sampaoli, their new manager or newish manager and his 3-2-2-1-3-3-1-3 or whatever yeah. his, his, uh, his setup is. Um, do you think that there's any kind of trap game magic going on here or do you think Argentina walks away with this? I think it's possible just because we're kind of banking on 
Argentina f- having figured out all of their shit over the past two months when we haven't been able to watch them, mm-hmm. really. Um, but I think, uh, I just think Messi is too much. And Argentina does play with a press, and I don't, I don't think Iceland can really play their way out of a press. I think maybe a couple long balls over the top could scare Argentina. But I, I really don't want this to become a... Iceland wins and it's the virtues of having a, a team that only cares about the team versus a team with a superstar. Sure. Like I really don't want to hear that. So personally, I'm hoping for Argentina to win. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm pulling for Argentina in that one too. Uh, I'm very interested in this Peru-Denmark game. I think it can actually be really fun. Now, most people probably look at that and they're saying France and Argentina are the people, the teams that are going to get my attention. But Peru-Denmark it's just like a tasty little game. First of all, Denmark, we've talked a lot about in the lead-up to the tournament. Christian Eriksen is one of the players you should definitely keep an eye on. If you watch the Premier League, you're well aware of him. Um, for Peru, first time in the Cup in a long time, am I right? Yeah. And what kind of team can people expect to see versus Denmark tomorrow from Peru? The, the fun thing about Peru is that they're not your kind of mid-tier uh, team that gets into the tournament by defending really cohesively. They play... You know, they try to play like they're like, <laughs> you know, chilly or something like that. I mean, the, the pressing is not as crazy, but they play super sort of, <clears throat> they just want to pass the ball through you, get it up to Guerrero and Farfan, and and they just want to outscore you basically, which um, is maybe not a recipe to be an underdog and make a run in the tournament, but it's it's fun to watch. And Denmark is... Denmark's a pretty uh, offensive team as well. So I think I think this will be a great game. Actually. Yeah, it should be pretty entertaining. Micah, the game I really wanted to talk to you about from Sunday is the 8 a.m. Pacific time matchup between Germany and Mexico. Yeah, okay. So Germany has dominated group play forever, basically. Yes. And also, El Tri has never actually won a game against Germany, I don't think. Excited. Uh, no, no, they haven't won against them. But uh, going into the tournament, like Germany has been kind of lukewarm in their pre-tournament friendlies and I guess do you mean that in the are we sure KD works with the Warriors kind of I mean like it's basically like I would just like to believe that a different outcome is possible sure I I don't necessarily think that Germany is going to actually stumble most people have Germany and Brazil in the final yeah 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 yeah. I mean but like it's like I'm first of all I just like watching Germany play and on top of that like I would like to see at least some sort of conflict uh, versus them just walking the group stage and into the final, you know? The thing we should say about Mexico is that uh, we've highlighted Chucky Lozano, uh, Irving Lozano from PSV, mm-hmm. really fun, um, kind of almost traditional winger. But Juan Carlos Osorio has essentially played a, a wildly different lineup and formation for all of their friendlies and is, has supposedly said that he has a very sort of bespoke game plans for each team. <laughs> Great. So it's like the Mexican press is trying to predict the lineup and no one has any idea what's happening. And it's like the Zach Galifianakis meme with all the <laughs> calculus shit. In your around. opinion, when you, it, let's say, <laughs> let's say we lived like say in a country who had a team in the world cup. Yeah. We, we, we do <laughs> let's not just say we do not have that. Um, do you find that kind of uh, poker managerial poker to be inspiring or worrisome? More so worrisome. Yeah, I think like you it should know me. your eleven, and you should know how you're going to play. And well, it's like we always talk about how Pep Guardiola overthinks things, and he kind of might he'll get bailed out by having the best players in the world on his team. Yeah. Mexico does not have that luxury, <laughs> right? I think it's just kind of like an ounce of prevention versus like a pound of cure type thing. If you're like constantly, if you make like seven changes between each game, 
that's not exactly something that inspires confidence. Yeah, I don't think there's quite a history of that being a successful World Cup strategy. Yeah. Uh, other games to keep an eye out for this weekend. Um, actually, there's a great game Saturday, uh, Croatia-Nigeria, which has probably the best kits in the World Cup going up against each other. Seems yeah. like that is a... Uh, kind of a decider of who else advances from the group. Yeah. yeah. Do you see any other matches from Saturday or Sunday that have that kind of weight on them? Uh, mm. I mean, I think Denmark-Peru. Yeah. Um, just because they're kind of, you're expecting those teams to be fighting out for second place in the group with France. So the other, that those teams are attacking and it kind of, they're beho- it behooves them to go for, the, go for a win rather than playing conservatively. Although, same was true for Morocco. Iran, the second half was pretty terrible to watch and Iran yeah. scored on an own kind goal. Turgid, should yeah. have ended 0-0. Costa Rica and Serbia should be amusing. Keep an eye out for Sergei Milinkovic-Savage. <laughs> uh, shout out unit. to Donnie Kwok's favorite Serbian <laughs> soccer player. He uh, just apparently turned down a move to Manchester United to sign with Juventus. Yeah. Sorry about that. Yeah. But at least you have that Sorry, great this keeper like though. his chin strap. And then we get to see Brazil on Sunday. I just wanted to briefly talk about that. Uh, Ryan and I, I think, have firmly found ourselves living in... Uh, Let's not overthink this. Brazil is the best international football team in the world. Michael, where are you at with Brazil? I mean, they're the more you look at the team like on paper, there's nothing that they're missing, really. Like I it's I but you know, like just the fact of it being a large international tournament, you want to believe that stuff is too good to be true. Um so but but I mean at the same time, it's just like they have the best player at every position. In the world. <laughs> it seems like it. Switzerland, yeah. do they have anything that they can specifically do against this Brazil team that you think could be uh, problematic for T-shirts? Yeah. Or well, the counter-pressing, yeah? Yeah. Switzerland is the the highest pressing team of any team in the in the World Cup. Okay. So that um, basically means that they'll attack Brazil's defenders. They try to win the ball back in yeah. Brazil's final third, mm-hmm. which you would think that Brazil is the worst team to do that against because Brazilians are the most skilled players in the world. Mm-hmm. But Brazil plays with two defensive midfielders who, uh, Casemiro and Fernandinho, who aren't like the greatest kind of ball they players. They are right? dribbling in traffic or, you know, playing a forward pass. But they have, you know, Marcelo and Coutinho can drop back. So I think if a team is going to give Brazil a problem in this World Cup, it's a team that's going to be able to press them. So I think it'll be kind of like a, it's actually a pretty good sort of, training wheels type first game for Brazil. Actually. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's a good point. Uh, I just know that when I see the yellow and blue out there, I'm just going to get very like hype. <laughs> yeah. I just, there's something about it that you just get so like emotional and like, it, yeah. it feels like you're watching. It's like pinstripes or something. It's just, it has that kind of like, Oh, I'm part of like a historical event watching this. Yeah. And there's also like, the last World Cup, there was just something off about that team. It felt like the entire World Cup. You know, they start the World Cup with an own goal. Fred is getting consistent minutes, the bad Fred. Yeah. Um, it's just like <laughs> they were holding the Neymar jersey up after, before the Germany game. Like, it just felt, it didn't feel like Brazil with the kind of, like, just uber self-confidence that we're used to. Don't say uber when talking about Brazil. They don't like hearing (laughs) German words. (laughs) After 7-1. Freud is also a German word. Any final notes before we get out of here, guys? Just watch Ronaldo (laughs) as much as you can until he retires. Until the Spanish tax authorities (laughs) have their way with him and he has to go play uh, in Qatar. Yeah, last last thing is just pay your taxes. Yeah, pay your taxes. <laughs> great, great ending. For Ryan and Micah, this is Chris. We're going to be out of here. Donnie will be back with you on Monday. Uh, we'll be coming at you 
every weekday right after the third game or as close to it as possible uh, with with a podcast. We'll also have some videos, so make sure you check out twitter.com slash ringer and all of the ringer's multimedia platforms to keep up with us. Uh, enjoy the World Cup. Oh,